episode of the Plastic Planet Podcast with myself, Dr. Rafilwe. Today's episode is a little different. We are out and about uh, at the South African Society of Aquatic Scientists Conference, you know, the Sussex Conference over here in the Western Cape. We are chatting to a very young, passionate, beautiful lady, Mrs. Daniel Roach, who was presenting her findings uh, at the conference. And uh, just a little bit of a heads up, there will be some background noise from time to time. People will be changing venues and uh, unfortunately that could not be controlled and hope you do enjoy the conversation still. Danielle Roach. Um, I am from the University of the Western Cape currently doing my Master of Science in Biodiversity and Conservation Biology and my honours research was covering um, microplastics in animals and water and sediment samples from the Berg River estuary in the Western Cape province of Africa. Nice. So um, just quickly what what are microplastics and you know what what is microplastics and why should we worry about this this topic okay so basically microplastics are small pieces of plastic which are broken down in the environment so the definition is that microplastics are of a size of less than or equal to five millimeters and basically we should be worrying about microplastics because first of all they are bioavailable, which means they are more available to organisms in aquatic ecosystems such as estuaries, in rivers, in ocean environments, and even in terrestrial environments you find them. Um, and it poses a significant risk to those organisms because it's readily available compared to bigger pieces of plastic like you, which you normally see in the environment, plastic bottles, plastic bags, um, bottle caps, things like that. Those don't pose the same risk because in order for an organism, an animal, whatever species to um, be affected by them, things like entanglements like a rope um, in the ocean or for instance if uh, a turtle swallows a plastic bag, but with microplastics it's much easier for these organisms to come into contact with it because they might mistake it for food or they might not even know that it's in the environment. They might be consuming it, um, not knowing that they're consuming it because lots of organisms, they are indiscriminately feeding. Um, if you think about things like a prawn or a mussel, they are filtering water through the through their digestive systems because that's the way they eat. They eat their food that way. And so microplastics pose a huge problem because there are so many in the environment and that's what we are seeing um, in lots of studies done in South Africa and in the, rest, in the rest of the world. We are seeing that there are lots of these plastics in the environment and organisms are consuming it at an alarming rate. So that's one of the reasons, well, it's a big reason why we should be concerned about them in the environment. Yeah. That is so fascinating. I mean, I think you've said a mouthful and I cannot help but wonder as a young person who, you know, just 
is living, you know, in this day and age, and you're seeing all these microplastics and you're seeing all these plastics, when did this, the love of plastic start? When did you decide that this is a problem and I want to be part of the solution? Well, I think it started a long time ago. I mean, coming from a background where I've always had a love for nature, I've always had a love for the natural sciences. Um, we are taught about it in school. I mean, from primary school level to high school to university, you're taught about what risk plastic in general causes to the environment. And I mean, it, you'd, like your parents, your grandparents, they also know about it, but they don't really take it seriously. So us as the kids, maybe we... we we adopt that same level of attitude, but even though we learn about it, but as I grew up and I started to learn about ecosystems, I started to learn about biodiversity, I realized that, you know what, I can do something about it, and this is a problem that needs to be given much more attention. And it starts with you. You need to start making a change. You need to start bringing attention to these um, problems, and you need to start actually caring about these ecosystems, caring about the biodiversity because they feed us, they give yeah. us lo loads and loads of ecosystem services, things that we get from nature. I mean, the list is endless. And so that's where my relationship with plastic started. It's learning about biodiversity, being in the natural sciences, and not even because I'm in the natural sciences as a student um, in university, but just because I love nature. You don't need to be at the university level to be to, in order to care about things like this you can just anyone should care about it because we live in the world we live around these things and it affects us as well yeah so um basically that's how my my interest started and my passion for learning about plastics and learning about its impact on the environment awesome i think for me you mentioned that you know plastic is readily available and the behavior that we have you know towards plastic is actually influencing the biodiversity is influencing what's happening in the ocean just if you can talk to us about the connectivity between river flow and ocean and how does plastic you know just move from one region to another and what behavior influences that yeah so what is a thing we learn about is that all ecosystems are interconnected and especially when it comes to estuaries so estuaries lie between the ocean and the rivers so basically once these plastics get into rivers they flow from rivers into the ocean and that 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 section between rivers and oceans is called an estuary so everything is interconnected if microplastics land up in our rivers, moving from our terrestrial systems into riverine systems, it moves through an estuary and into the ocean and vice versa. Estuaries and oceans are connected as well. So there's this constant movement of plastics from terrestrial environments that can wash off into rivers, through estuaries, into the ocean and back again. So it's all interconnected, so one thing affects the other one. So plastics can move in and out of the system constantly. And so what you do on the on the land, on in the river, it affects the ocean and vice versa. And that's what makes these plastics so available to organisms. It makes it mo constantly moving between them. 
Oh, wow. That is actually quite interesting that everything is interconnected. So we can't look at everything in silos, right? Because I think we are so used to looking at things and saying, oh, I'm in terrestrial, I'm in, you know, I'm in the ocean, but it's not true. I think everything is just connected. Um, I think also if you look at the animal in intake, I think you mentioned a lot about you know, the animals uh, being affected, the biodiversity being affected and the uptake. Talk to us about that. How does how does the uptake happen? How does you know how does plastic and microplastic affect the um, animals or even humans? Okay, so like I mentioned before, animals either indiscriminately feed, not knowing that they are consuming consuming microplastic. So things like your filter feeders. They are filtering either sediments, they're filtering water in order to get their food source. This is what they need to do to stay alive. And because microplastics are present in waterways, um, aquatic ecosystems, or they're present in sediments, that's how they are going to be ingesting it, not knowing. And then you get things also like you get species like visual predators. Predators who are used to predating on a certain color of organism. So because microplastics are perhaps in the same size class, if you get the microplastics of a certain size or a certain color perhaps, maybe like red, they are used to eating those specific species that if they see the color red, they'll go for it thinking that that's my food, so they'll eat it that way. Um, so that's two of the ways that um, microplastics can land up in these organisms. Um, yeah, so basically those are two of the ways that the um, species can get into contact and then the dangers that how to fix them first of all um, we can talk about if they are consuming a large amount there is research that says because these microplastics they can't digest them they plastics are extremely durable they can last from 50 years up you know in the environment so they're not going to break down in a living organism they're going to stay there so because of that, it can give these animals a, fa a false sense of being full, which means that they won't be able to take in their own food anymore because they have, their bodies are full of plastic, which means weight loss can start to happen. And that's very dangerous because if we start to lose species because they are losing weight, they can't take in their normal um, source of nutrients, it's a problem. Um, and there's also some research that is being done um, about the chemical additives that are in plastics and those can start to leach into these organism systems, very dangerous additives that are in plastics as well as um, organic pollutants like your, uh, your pesticides. So in seawater, studies have been done about the concentration of these chemical, I mean, sorry, pesticides in seawater, they say it's not really that dangerous. But because of plastics and because these pesticides, they are, how can I put this in layman's terms without, um, it's, they are not attracted to water, which means in plastic, they adhere to them even more, which increases the concentration and makes it more dangerous. So because they are attached to these plastics, because of that, they become part of the organism system and they can leach into an organism. So things like DDT, which is very dangerous. I mean, I'm sure people, or maybe in the scientific community, it's more um, known that DDT is very dangerous. It's banned in some countries. Yeah. Um, it's a very dangerous chemical. So basically, these are, these are the sorts of things that 
or danger or danger in microplastics and then I'm not sure if we spoke about how that affects us. Yeah, I think um, just because, you know, the reason for this question is someone would say, but I don't live in the Western Cape or I don't live near the sea and I don't have a relationship with the ocean. So why should I care about microplastics and plastics? We've spoken about how it affects animals. We've spoken about how animals are impacted by it. But it's still not, you know, registering to some people and bringing it home to say, listen, it's actually affecting you as a person if you are not taking care of this environment, if you're actually just being irresponsible with your plastic behavior or management. So you don't have to live close to the ocean to love prawns, right? Unless you don't eat seafood. Well, most people love seafood. You like mussels. Who doesn't go to ocean basket, you know? So think about that. We've been finding microplastics in mussels. We've been finding microplastics in prawns. And if you think about it, when you eat a prawn, you eat the entire thing. When you eat a mussel, you eat the entire thing. When you eat a fish, obviously, you're not going to eat the intestines. You're going to eat just the muscle tissue. So... If you don't, if you don't live near the ocean, you might still consume seafood. And there's evidence that says that yes, microplastics are present in mussels, in prawns. So even if you don't live near the sea, you're still affected by it. You're still consuming these organisms which are consuming microplastics. The chances are that you have microplastics inside your body yourself. So it doesn't mean that you don't live close to the ocean that it doesn't affect you. Maybe you just don't know that it's affecting you, but it is. Um, and those are just some of the ways. Maybe in fish, it's not such a concern at the moment because, like I said, when you eat fish, you don't eat the intestines, and those are where we find the microplastics. And there's very little evidence at the moment that these microplastics are translating into muscle tissue. But, I mean, it's not to say that it can't happen in the future. It's not, it's not impossible. We might see it happening. And, I mean, microplastic research is still very new. So, in the coming years, we might find more studies saying that, okay, yes, it is found in the muscle tissue. And also, okay, you spoke about people who don't live near the ocean, but on the West Coast, people eat, it's called bokums. Yeah. I'm not sure if you heard about that. And those fish... But basically what they do is they preserve it by using salt. Okay. And also, microplastics are potentially present in salt. So those salt that they preserve those fish with, they put it on the surface of those fish, and it's a delicacy on the West Coast. Yeah. So because they are eating those bokums, they might be eating microplastics because it might be present in salt as well. Yeah. So if you eat salt, you might be eating microplastics. So it does affect you. <laughs> yeah, so like salt, anything, you know, I, I think right now it's, it's probably safe to say that microplastics are present, you know, we cannot, you, can't deny, you can't deny it, you yeah. can't really go and say microplastics are not there. And you spoke to microplastics leaching plastic, I mean leaching chemicals yes. rather. So when you, when, you mean, when you say leaching plastic, do you mean that, you know, there's chemicals that adhere to plastics or plastics that um, have chemicals that are embedded in them that when they're in the environment then they get to seep into the body 
and really just cause harm that is known. You know, we do know that excess amount of copper causes harm, excess amount of zinc or, uh, or iron for that matter causes harm in the body. And if, if you know, plastic get, can accumulate that in high concentration, then we'll expect that, you know, they will be harmed. It's not new science, mm -hmm. right? Yes, definitely. Um, so these plastics, there's chemicals that are added to them in order to produce them. So it's called, they are basically called plasticizers. It's kind of chemicals. I'm not going to try to think of a name right now. I might just mispronounce it. But they are chem chemical additives in plastics. And those chemicals potentially have um, the effect of causing cancer, like um, carcinogenic effects, as well as, well as muta uh, mutations. So if they leach into an organism system, there's a potential of them causing cancer, of them causing mutations, and this is very dangerous. And if it's causing these kinds of effects on animals, what is the potential of it causing these kinds of reactions in humans? You know, and I mean, research needs to um, be ongoing in order to look into this, but it's definitely possible that these chemicals and even pesticides like I said, they adhere to the surface of these plastics. Those are also potential um, harms that you know we can come into contact with, as well as the animals in the environment. Sure. I think you said a mouthful um, as to what plastics can do and what harm and dangers are there. But just bringing into personal decisions and behaviour that we can participate in as you know laymen as people on the streets you know um, what behavioral changes can we make to ensure that we are part of the solution and we're living more sustainably okay so um, basically things like if you think about a facial scrub it's something that I've spoken about before a facial scrub, what do you think those things are inside of a facial scrub? If you're in the shower, you need to, your face feels rough, you need to like smoothen up your skin. You're taking your facial scrub from Neutrogena, from Garnier, from whatever brand. So those little beads inside of those facial scrubs, what do you think it would, what, what is it made of? You know, it doesn't dissolve. It's made of plastic. That is a microplastic that you are scrubbing your skin with. And just a simple decision of not buying those facial scrubs with microbeads in it. Doing something else like chemical exfoliation. You get lots of products on the market these days containing other products that can chemically exfoliate your skin instead of physically exfoliating it. Exfoliating it. That's a simple way. Um, and then another thing, recycling. I know people get annoyed of hearing people like me saying, recycle your plastic. Like, I mean, I speak to my family about it all the time. I'm trying to drive them, recycle it. And I mean, it, I know it's difficult because we don't have readily available recycle programs in, recycling programs in our country. It's not, it's not big. Like, they don't advertise it enough, in my opinion. Um, but recycling, if we can minimize the amount of plastic, macro plastics, normal plastic bottles, things like that, landing up in our environment, we can minimize the amount of microplastics landing up in the environment because that's where microplastics come from. They break down in the environment from bigger pieces of plastic over time. So simple things like don't litter. Don't, if you are in the environment, in an estuary, in a river, pick, 
taking a picnic in a nature reserve or park, don't let uh, pick up your dirt, throw it in the bin, even recycle at home, things like that. And really, I know it's it may seem small, but if more people are doing it, can, it can make a big change. It can really do something and you would be contributing to conserving our biodiversity. Wow, that is awesome. I think we've had such a great conversation and it's, you know, a, a good insight into what is microplastics and this world that is microplastics because there's a lot of misconceptions, misinterpretations and ideologies that come with microplastics, you know, so just really getting insight from someone who's working with microplastics and, you know, just who knows the science behind microplastics and how they come about and why, should, why are they a problem and what can we do about them. So thank you so much for coming in and speaking to us and uh, yeah, hopefully, you know, we can just elaborate more and science grows, you know, to just re really reach people out there to say, this are, these are the solutions or these are the problems and these are the solutions that we're coming up with as scientists and also, you know, just, you know, this is how to implement them so that we can see change. Thank you.